You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. everlasting life and the message says it like this this is how much God loved the world he gave his son his one and only son and this is why so that no one need be destroyed by believing him anyone can have a whole and lasting life God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusation accusating finger tell the world how bad it was he came to help and put the world right again oh father i thank you that this morning we celebrate that you love us so much and this is how that you sent your son to make and put the world and our relationships with you right again in your beautiful name Amen and glory. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Jane. Uh, let me just try and. Bam 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 bam. Okay. So God so loved the world that He gave His Son Jesus. It, 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 Everyone just, everyone moving into the sun. Yes. <clears throat> Glorious. Uh, fan, fantastic. Stu, do you need suntan lotion or a hat before we move into the sun? Are you all good? Fantastic. So th- this morning, uh, you know, we, God loves us so much. But, you know, we, we, we've lost the part where we go and sing and shout it from the rooftops, where we stand on the mountains and declare it over the, over the amphitheater of the Berg, when we go into our colleagues and our friends and our family and we just say, you know, let me tell you about the good, great news. Let me tell you something that is absolutely from out of this world, that God loves me so much and God loves you so much. Rekhi, your hat is amazing. You know, and so this morning, I want you to share on authentic discipleship and evangelism. So how many of you are already hitting the cringe factor? You know, like, baby, like you and I both, my girl. Like, as soon as someone says, okay, like, even when I was with YWAM last week or the week before, you know, as soon as people go evangelism, I'm going St. Francois, you know, St. Mark. Send somebody else, you know, uh, and so I've, I've been challenged by, by that and saying, actually, God, you want to send me and you want you to send Bev. And if Bev and Stu and some of us hear the word evangelism and we think like, Lord, pass that plate on to somebody else, then this is for, this is for, for you and I. Because I'm hoping to be able to bring a little bit of something that Bev, that you and I can rise up and go, yes! I'm called to be an evangelist. I can do this thing. 
you know? And so for me, what is evangelism? And, and, and why do we evangelize? And what is it all about? And so I'm wanting to, to shoot some holy cows. We'll just slaughter them right here in the garden. We'll make biltong and burgers from them. And they will move on into, into good things. I've been on fruit and veg only for a, for a while. So uh, last night I had like meat. And so suddenly everything in my whole life is now revolving around like meat. So my, my analogies might be a little bit um, dodged. But my sister's not watching, so I can get away with it. Um, so that's all good. But the reality is I love the church. Um, and I think that we as a community and, and we as a, as a group of friends, we do so much really well. You know, Pat, I was going to say pat the person next to you, but you're distancing and we're on tape. So, so pat yourself on the back and go, yes, we do so much well. But the reality is, although I, although I, I love love and I go, we, we do so much well. Who, who, what was that? But the reality is, there are still things that we can do better at. And for me, this is one of the areas that we can do, do be, better at. You know, it breaks my heart when, when lives aren't transformed. We need, to, we need to be able to connect with people. I want to see, like I said last week, my, my mission is to help people. My mission used to get people to like me. My mission used to be get people to like my messages. My mission used to be just, Lord, let them come back next Sunday. But now I say, Lord, I want to help people. I want lives to be changed. I want lives to be transformed. And when his church, when the church, when Jesus' church, when his family and his body is not growing with new people coming into faith and we just have a revolving door and, and we grow because some other church is not growing or we lose people because that, therefore somebody else is growing. But no, we need to see lives transformed and church growing because people are coming to faith. That's the ultimate life being transformed. And I would suggest that most of what happens in church growth and, and everything for the past couple of years, even for the past couple of decades, has just been the revolving door. It hasn't been new people coming to faith. I was trying to look at some examples and Google things, but the only thing I can find is in America. You know, we always go back to America and I really, you know, so I'm just putting this, I'm not saying this is South Africa or this is like the, the, the um, you know, the people in Asia and India and all these wonderful thousands and tens of thousands of people come to faith. But only 2.2% of people in America of church growth is new people coming to faith. Okay, no, if that doesn't break your heart, then it definitely breaks the heart of God. But only 2.2% of people who are joining churches are people who are coming to salvation and their lives are being radically changed and transformed. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him won't perish. I don't want anyone to perish on my watch. I also want everybody to have life and life to the full. But sometimes we get so consumed with life and life to the full and what that means that we forget about the fact that we don't want people to perish. We want them to come into all that God has for them this morning. So I'm going to share on four challenges and so i'm challenging us you know I, i'll stop using using your name but like for the rest of us i'm wanting to put out four challenges to us that i'm taking from the life of jesus and the reality for me is that in the first 30 years of christ's life we learned very little about him we know about his birth we know about when he turned 12 and then there's not that much we learn in the life of jesus in the first 30 years but in this time, Jesus was growing 
and maturing and he was discovering who he was. And so sometimes we need to really understand who am I? I need to mature in who I am so that when I go and I speak to people, I can give real authentic, you were impressed, real authentic, proper kingdom impartation and, and transformation and that people's lives are changed. And then Jesus turned 30 and in Jewish culture when you turn 30, it's when life really begins and so it makes sense that at 30 Jesus goes out and his ministry so to speak really kicks off and starts and he goes to his cousin John the, also called John the, the, the pioneer. Okay, the radical one. So he, so he goes to the other, not, not John the Pillar, John, he goes to John the Baptist, the radical entrepreneur John. And he goes to, to uh, John and gets Baptist, uh, Baptist and gets baptized. And he goes out into the desert and he gets tempted and his ministry begins. And for me, I look at the, this is the first phase of Jesus. And we think that when Jesus starts his ministry, first thing he's going to do is like put adverts in the paper, get his Twitter account going, get Facebook going. He would gather everybody. He would set up a building. He would create a coffee club. He would do men's breakfast. He would get everybody in there. And this is how he's going to start his movement. This is how he's going to start his mission. But he doesn't. He spends the next 80 months concentrating on loving people hanging around people he hangs and he hugs far more than he preaches and he teaches most of what he does is he connects and he loves and he builds relationship with people and if, G if this is how jesus started then maybe there's something we can take out of out of his book so flip in your iPad and go to Luke 4, verse 14. Well done, Cornell. And then Jesus returns to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports of him spread quickly through the whole region, and he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood, and stood up to read the Scriptures. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They tended to push him off the cliff. I haven't quite had that yet. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. One of the greatest things we see in this time of Jesus' life was Jesus went from place to place. He, was, he, he didn't stay in one place and do one thing. He loved people. He was relational. He went and he connected. He went and he moved. He went from city to city. He went and he met with people. In John 1, he returns back to visit John. Did you just go back to visit John? John the? Pioneer. He goes back to visit John the Pioneer and some of John's disciples. So in verse 35 it says, The following day John was standing with two of his disciples. Well done, Cornel. Um, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Now already, if I was John, I'd be going, mm, Like, really? Your church split already. 
you know? And Jesus looked around and saw them following and he's like, what do you want? Like really spiritual. Hey, dude, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? And what did Jesus said? Come and see. So you know, they say, where, where are you staying? And Jesus just said, oh, I'm staying at the B&B up the road. I'm staying at Stu's house. You know, I'm saying, he says, actually, come with me. Let me show you where I'm staying. Pull into my pussy. Come to my house. So straight away, Jesus is saying, guys, come to my home. Let's connect. Let's hang out together and let's see. So this is the essence of my first challenge. In the first 18 months, Jesus is identifying with people one by one two by two and in small groups Jesus is identifying with them as disciples but the amazing thing for me is Jesus never calls them disciples they were just people that were identifying with them they were people that were hanging around with them people that were starting to behave like him people who were starting to look like them people who enjoyed spending time with him how many believers do we have that we really enjoy spending time with I'd say we have a lot, and for that I'm tremendously grateful. They were identifying with him. They were following him. They were becoming Jesus' followers. But Jesus wasn't saying, you my disciples, dude. He was saying, no, just come and check me out. Come and hang with me. Come and spend time with me. Come and learn about the kingdom of God. The more you hang with me, the more you will get to know me. The more you get to know me, the more you get to know about the kingdom. He was sitting with them. He was brying with them. He did motherland coffee with them. He did dining room with them. Bev, you and I can do dining room. If there's anything that we can do well, we can do dining room well. He was doing dining room table with them. He was walking and talking. He did hikes. Now, if Jesus was here now, he would spend a lot of his time in the Sokobos and, and Hennips. And he would invite people, come and do a hike with me, dudes. Let's go and chill and hike and drink from the water and baptize one another and, and do life together. He spent time talking to the prostitutes, connecting with the children. I'm sure he would be doing veggie gardens and spending time praying for the sick and the amazing thing for me is during this time we see very few miracles that were happening i think it's because jesus was establishing his reputation he was establishing who he was people were getting to know him because of who he was not because of the signs or wonders or what they could get from him even in our evangelism, is it because we want a notch on our belt or we wanting to get to know the people that God has placed in us and around us? And then after 18 months, Jesus changes his tact and he moves from establishing a reputation to establishing a formation. And he starts to create something around the people that are looking like him and talking like him and walking like him. He's starting to develop something with the people who have his DNA. And that's why for me, even church, I've spoken so much about that we have to have the right DNA to be a family that come together because they had Jesus' DNA. And they followed him and gave up so much more for him. 
in Matthew 4 verse 18, one day Jesus was walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, gets confusing, and Andrew. And Jesus already knew them because he knew he addresses them by name. He had hung out with them. He had spent time with them. He would have had meals with them. He knew them. And so my first challenge moves into my second challenge. In verse 18, throwing a net into water for they were fishing for, for they were fish for a living, Jesus called out to them and said, Come and follow me, and I will show you how to be fishers of men. So the first challenge was come and see, come and hang out, let's go do squash together, let's do cheese and juice together. Let's do life together. You know, when I spend time with people, I often say, to, okay, meet me at my house at like 10 o'clock. We're going, to, we're going to connect. And they arrive here and they've got their notebook and they've got their pen. And they go, put that away. Get in the car. They're fantastic. Where are we going? I go to pick and pay. And, everything, and they're like, huh? I thought we were going to connect. I go, we are. But I've got shopping to do, guys. So you know, come with me. You know, come push my trolley. Come and... I do. Come and come and do what I do. Come and, and, and we, I learn more from them and they learn more from me by just casual banter in the car than it is sitting around a table with a notebook and pen saying, okay, fine, give me my three nuggets so I can be out of here and go off to my, my next one. So the first challenge is to come and see and the second challenge is won't you come and follow me? For me, the second challenge equates to our salvation. There needs to be a point of surrender. I choose to step in to this. I choose to step into what you are carrying. I choose, even if it's, I, I'm making a decision to, to follow you, I'm making a decision to come to you, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. I'm wanting to, I'm making a decision to, I'm going to give up my, 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 my own nets and I'm going to come and follow you. Now the main thing that, for me, that Jesus doesn't say to them, and, and I think this is where I'm so tempted, come and follow me and I will teach you something. Come and follow me and I'll give you a good word. Come and follow me and I'll, you can have the most amazing teachings. Come and follow me and I'll teach you how to serve. They heard incredible teachings. They learned how to serve. They became tremendously generous because they hung around with Jesus. When you hang around, when you hung around, I think I'm speaking Afrikaans now, when you hang around Jesus, you end up developing the character and the ethos and the DNA of Jesus. You learn great teachings. You learn how to serve and you learn how to be generous. So it just becomes who you are. But Jesus doesn't say, come and follow me. I'm going to give you a download. Come and follow me to church. Come and follow me to my meeting. Come and follow me to this. He's like, no, come and hang around with me. And when you hang around with me and you commit to follow me, you are going to learn a lot. Because this is what happens when we follow Jesus. And so he doesn't say anything, come and get a good teacher. He says, come and I will make you fishers of men. Sometimes when I think of following Jesus, the, the, the scripture too often comes to mind is pick up your cross. And I go, oh no, you know, come, it's, it's going to be heavy. Follow Jesus, pick up your cross, put this thing on your back, you know, 
stupno and come and follow Jesus. You know, like, oh my goodness, it's, it's not quite what I was thought I was signing up for. But Jesus is saying, no, pick up your pole and your tackle. No, your rod. It's not called a pole. Pick up your rod and your tackle and come and follow me. Because this is who we are. The minute you follow Jesus, you fish. You should be fishing. And Jesus gave us this picture to help us understand who we really are. So my invitation is, folk, won't you come and join the family? We're going to change the world together. Won't you come and join the family? We are going fishing. You enjoy fishing, don't you? Brent, you... Not, oh good. Okay, I'm starting to think, who are the fishermen amongst us? You know, come, come, and, come and join the family. We are going fishing. And like, if you know me, like I don't, oh, the thought of fishing in the natural is like eek and yuck and everything. And the, but the first thing Jesus taught them, and he said, let's go fishing together, is I'm going to show you how to love people. We're going to go loving and hugging. Whether we have a mask on or we don't have a mask on, we'll find a way. We're going loving and hugging and following and fishing. And so they started doing what Jesus was doing. And they did it with Jesus and then he released them to go on their own. So they fished with them and then he sent them off two by two and said, Go and fish. Go and love. Go and hug. Go and fish and follow. So what's fishing it's not using your bible to batter to batter somebody into into heaven you know fishing and evangelism isn't the fast track how many hands can i get up in a meeting how many notches can i get on my belt if if, if i can say to somebody i led 20 people to the lord then that's a sign of amazing spirituality it's not like that for me, that's not fishy and that's not making disciples. That's not found in the, word, in, in the Word. I don't hear of huge crusades where people put up the hand and then they were forgotten. For me, the, the beginning of fishing and putting the hook on the bait is to love with people, to hang around with people, to get to know them, to earn the right and the reputation to speak into their lives. And friends, sometimes this may take years. Sometimes it may take weeks. But are we going to love people for the long haul? So that their lives will be transformed and changed? Are we going to go for like the, from the weeks to the months, from the months to the years, and say, I'm committed to loving you regardless. And so I see salvation and change and transformation and life and life eternally and life to the full. Friends, we need to listen to their heart so that we can address their situations. Because often we want to go in with our heart and our agenda and our situations and dump that on, on them. But to understand the heart and the situations of the people that we are connecting with, the people that we are fishing with, is to be able to spend time and to be able to connect with them. It's being open and transparent and allowing them to see the goodness and the breakthrough and the kingdom of God in our lives. We can't be transparent and get to know people and get to know their heart and what's happening in their lives if we're on a fast track to get a notch in our belt attitude and agenda. We're all called to be fishermen 
and my get out of jail free card, my asterisks, my terms and conditions that apply is I would argue that some are called to a gift of evangelism. How many of you like that card? Yep, some are called to a gift of evangelism. Pancha, Brechi, Mark, you called to a gift of evangelism. So off you go, boys. I am out for lunch. Off you go. We will hear your testimony next week. But the reality is, you know, sometimes we think evangelism is just for like Dennis's of the world. Evangelism is just for the charismatic few. Evangelism is for the people who do YWAM. The people who ask can do other things. But it's rubbish. It's a lie from the, from the devil. Maybe it's not just a lie from the devil. Maybe it's an excuse for believers to remain impotent and infertile in their lives and what they call to. Maybe it's just my bad attitude giving me an excuse to not go on outreach, to not go and, and do things. Because if, so, yeah, if, if someone has been given a gift of giving, does that mean nobody else has to be generous? If some have got a gift of service, does that mean none of us have to serve? Now all the people on hosting teams that go, uh-uh, but it doesn't mean because some have been given a gift of service, nobody serves. If someone's been given a gift of evangelism, they just do it better. And we can learn from them. We can hang around with them. Because I can learn how to fish by sitting on my couch. I love Discovery TV and National Geographic and the big, bad fishermen from Alaska and all of those things. I can learn how to fish from my couch, but I'll never catch a fish. And yet I don't like fishing in the natural. I don't want to touch a fish. I don't even want to eat a fish. There's just nothing pleasant in my mind about, about fish. And, and then I want to spend time with a friend of mine, Johann Smith. Most of you know him in Bethlehem and Clarence. And if I want to spend time with him and learn from him, the best thing we can do is go fishing. It's, it's his love language and what he does. And so I go with the fishermen and I go and learn how to fish. And the reality is eventually I start to get to enjoy it because I know I can fish, especially if you do trout fishing. You don't have to do a worm. You don't have to get goo under your nails. You, 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 don't have, you, you can sit in a little boat and put flippers on and you can flap around the dams and it's all pretty and tranquil, tranquil especially in Clarence. You know, and I've caught a fish before and I've never landed one. I've hooked one and, and Johan has landed one and he's hooked one and then we swap rods and then I've landed one. So I've, I've caught a fish before. I've never caught and landed the same fish. I've never caught and landed even with the same fishing rod. But between us, we have caught fish and we have caught trout and we have had fish barbecues and, and briars and, and everything. But the reality is even in the natural, I go out and do it with somebody who's better than me and I learn to enjoy it. And so in the supernatural, in a spiritual world, I go out with somebody who's better than me, like Dennis and the guys, and I learned to enjoy it. I learned to realize that it's not that scary. 
But friends, the reality is it's about loving and relationship and bras and burgers and connecting and squash and coffees and dinner tables and long lingering conversations. A profound fact. If you want to fish, you must go fishing. But if you want to fish, you must go to where the fish are. You know, I, I was throwing a curveball beginning of last year. It was just before lockdown. Lockdown saved me. Rebecca is online. So Rebecca's husband, so now I, I can see Rebecca's online, so I need to be careful. So we, we, we'd be connecting with Rebecca and her husband, Kevin, a, 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 an amazing man. And he said, Stu, I'm wanting you to come fishing with me. Won't you come and spend a weekend with me and me and my brother and I think a friend and we're going to go fishing. And everything in me goes, heck no. One, a weekend with people I don't really know. Two, fishing. Three, we're going into the ocean. So it's not as if I can just go to the dam and when after half an hour I can go back to my cabin and go and listen to my podcast or get out my Kindle. We get onto a boat in the big ocean. So we, we're going to start heading towards like Alaska from Belito and we're going to go fishing. And everything in me goes, no, and, but then he says, but, but Stuart, we, we do this like really well. So we've got somebody and they will take us, but this person is knowledgeable in the area and we guaranteed to catch fish. So we got to go at the, like, I don't know, the, the, the beginning of the fishing season and this guy is going to take us and we're going to go to exactly where the fish are and he knows the, the temperature and he knows the bait and he knows everything so we guaranteed of catching fish. Now I'm starting to think actually I'm prepared to sacrifice my vomit on a boat in front of all these men if I can come back with a photograph that I caught something, you know what I mean? But the reality is we can't fish unless we go to where the fish are. Maybe one of the reasons why people are not being saved is that we fish from our couches instead of putting something on our rod and going to where the fish are. We need to be more responsive to Holy Spirit and we need to be responsive to the people around us where we love everybody, everywhere, all the time. This is what Jesus did. Jesus loved and he demonstrated his love. He didn't say to people, go and do what I'm not willing to do. He's like, come and follow me. We're going to have fish bras on the beach and get to know one another. We're going to linger longer together. He loved and he demonstrated how to, to love. He fished and he taught us how to fish. And then he died and he rose again. And he spent the next 40 days affirming what was important for us to do. He spent the next 40 days affirming what he had taught and demonstrating the value and the importance of it. And then we have this incredible moment in Matthew 28, 28 when Jesus takes his disciples out hiking. 
where it says Jesus was on a hillside. So for me, it means Jesus went to the sacred boss, or Jesus went to Hanops. Jesus went high. He, he didn't just like rock up on a mountain. They decided they're going to wake up in the morning. They're going to wake up early. They're going to, they're going to pack the cooler boxes. You bring the sparkling water. You bring the orange juice. You bring that other stuff. Pack the sandwiches. Get the grapes. Get, we're going hiking together. He was intentional, again, about spending time with people. And then Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given a little bit of authority. No. I have been given a lot. Now, I've been given all, everything. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The reason why I've been given all authority in heaven and earth is so that you can go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given to you and all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, yes! Jesus, you are with me always. Why is Jesus with me always? Because he wants me to go make disciples and use the power and the authority that he's given me. He's given me power. He's given me a mandate. And he says, when you take my power and you take my mandate, I am with you always. So maybe we think, where on earth has Jesus gone? I'm here in Joburg. Jesus has gone to Belito. I am not in sync. I'm not in touch. And maybe it's because you're just not using his power and do what he's called you to do. You've stepped out of your calling. You've stepped out of your sync. You've stepped out of who you are. And I'm just saying to you, come back. And you will, because ex- Jesus hasn't got anywhere. It's just that you're looking in the wrong place. Come back and experience everything and you'll find your testimonies. You will find your joy. You will find your breakthrough. You will find the fullness of life when we are doing what God has called us to do. Jesus is with us always when I go loving and hugging and following and fishing. And I come to challenge three. It says, go and make disciples. Friends, Fishing and making disciples is not conditional on your maturity. Now, sometimes I wish it was. Fishing and making disciples is not based on your gifting. Sometimes I really wish it was. Fishing and, fishing and discipling is not dependent on my feelings or how much faith I have for the day. This is what we call to. This is who you are. We are, I guess, a fisherman. And then suddenly my sister came to mind. I'm thinking, I can't say fisherman. I must say fisher persons, uh, fisher people. We are, we are fishers. So we are, we are fishers. So being a fisher is not dependent on your gifting. It's not dependent on your maturity. It's not dependent on, on your situation or your circumstances or your maturity. It's just dependent on the fact that you know Jesus. 
and that you follow Jesus. If you know Jesus and you follow Jesus, then you are a fisher. You're a fisher person and that you, your mandate, your calling is to go and make fishers of men. The first half of making disciples is fishing. The second half of making disciples is to grow and mature. To look like Jesus. So, my question is, well, what is a disciple? We're going to go make disciples, so what are we making? So, I've written this. A, a disciple is an authentic... So, an authentic disciple reflects the mind, the character, and the priorities of Jesus. An authentic disciple reflects the mind... We are a new creation, first and foremost. My identity, who I am, my character. I'm generous, I'm loving, I'm maturing, I take personal responsibility, and then my priorities. Your will be done, not my own. This is the mind of, of Jesus. It's not just knowing the Word. The Word is a, a big part of it. But it's walking and spending your day thinking like Jesus, being filled with his thinking, reflecting the mind of Christ. The character of Christ is when we look like him. I want to disciple people to look like Jesus, not look like me. Sometimes I just need to get my mind out of the process and have more of Jesus' mind. You know, I think it would be great if we had a lot more people like me. Addison doesn't. So, but when we look like him, we are a demonstration of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Oh, you're having the character of Jesus. I want you to look more and more like Jesus. And then we have his priorities. We're going fishing, family. It's relational. 90%, I think, and we can debate this. It could be 99%, it could be 1%, but it's a significant portion of the kingdom of heaven is relational. It's who we are. It's the overflow of who we are where we know what our purpose is. So where do we fish? Where do we make disciples? Ideas? Where we go? Where, we go, where the fish are? Everywhere. everywhere. I've got a mind that's everywhere. So I'm going to give you like an extra sugar in your coffee today. So we fish everywhere. When we are available, God will use us. We may not know when, we may not know where, but I guarantee you, when you are available, you will catch far more fish than when you're unavailable. It will happen far more often when you make yourself available. You will have more testimonies when you are more available. So I'm, I'm going to put this challenge out. And... Before I do, can I just press pause and sidetrack? I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to apologize 
if some of my messages have brought guilt or condemnation, where sometimes maybe the frustrations of my day or where I am have brought a, a, a stick rather than a, a love. And I, I'm just super passionate about what I'm, I'm doing and what I'm called to. And I'm wanting to help people, invest people, get people to buy into to what we're doing and build kingdom together. But I'm just conscious that sometimes maybe my, my desire to, to bring people along has come across as more of a, a, a stick than a, a love. And so if that, that's never my heart and not my heart. So I just want to say that. And having said that, I now say this. If you are more available this week, you'll have more testimonies next week. So when we ask for testimonies next week, we'll, we'll have a whole chunk more when we are, are more available. And the more available, the more crazier and wacky and weird and wonderful and frequent our testimonies would be. Now, I, I, would, love to like, I would love to have more, far more of Dennis's testimonies, but the reality is I'm not willing to do what Dennis does. I'm not willing to go to where Dennis goes. Like he's going to go and meet the troops on the um, Ukraine-Russian border uh, this, this week. And he's taking a group of people with him. I think Twinique and Donovan, who are part of Real Life, are going to the Ukraine this week to go and pray for a minister with the, 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 the Ukrainian soldiers on the Ukrainian-Russian border as you know, you know what's happened there. And so I'm like, dude, you can have those testimonies. I don't want to come with you. <laughs> you know, but the reality, then I can't expect to have those testimonies. But, I, but that's not what God's called me to. That's what God's called him to. And for that, I'm tremendously grateful. But I want all the testimonies that God's accredited to me. And I will get them when I'm available. And my testimonies are the car people at Pick and Pay, our local doctors, our, the people in my community, the shops, the... You know, I, I, I love the fact I'm held to account more in my community because I, people know who I am. I can't park on the yellow line in our area because most of the people in our area know who, who I am, that I'm the person, I drive that car. I, I, I walk into the police station this week and people know me by name and they go, oh my goodness, I hope they didn't see me like put foot when that traffic light was orange. So I, 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 I'm held to account a lot more because of the people in my community that know me by name. But the reality is I have lots of testimonies because the people in my community know me by name. And I want those crazy, wonderful testimonies. And friends, we might not get the ultimate testimony, but we're part of the watering and the helping and doing life together. We were... Um, living in the UK, um, Ali got, we were wanting to go away on holiday, Ali got this wonderful, okay, I'm going to try and blur Alison's way of saying the story and mine. It's like when you ask somebody how you met, a guy's version and a girl's version are different, you know. It, 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 we, we, so Alison's version would be, she had this wonderful opportunity to take me on a holiday, our last holiday before one of the children was born. It was a fantastic getaway at the coast. She went and she bought all the food and the treats and the niceties, everything, so that we can go and have a chilled weekend away. 
Um, it must have been Paige. I think the other two were, were being looked after by my folks or something. And so she planned this, this, this trip away. My view is there's no such thing as a free lunch. If someone's giving you a weekend away, there's a catch. So pass up and be careful. So we go away for this weekend and we arrive there and somebody in the household of two adults has left all the food behind and all the treats behind and all the delicacies and niceties behind. And out of the two adults, the one was not Alison who left them behind. Alison's side of the story, my side, it's like a joint decision. We should take joint responsibility. So, so we went there, we arrived at this place and we think that's fine. Uh, we'll check it and we'll, we'll enjoy it and make the most of the leisure facilities and the spa and, and all of those things. And a swarm of like two and a half gazillion bees had invaded the place. So the swimming pool was closed, the spa was closed, the, ev everything was closed. And so you had to go and sit in your room. And now we've got no food. And we can't go to the restaurant. So eventually we drive down the coast to find a little place to go and buy some, some things. Then I find out, because not everything was divulged in open, transparent relationship as it should be, the next day that part of the freebie holiday is we've got to go and have a consultation with somebody for an, an hour on Saturday morning. So we go in to have a consultation with this guy on the Saturday morning and Alison is like being really kind and we're so grateful to come here and at least we've got a nice, we, we see a new area. I'm going, dude, you're a manipulative so-and-so. You should have been more upfront. I, I, I said, if this has got into your timeshare, I'm not coming. You know, so don't say it's not timeshare. It's just like Dream Zorts something else by a different name. And so eventually I said, no, like, really, you've got to be far more honest. You know, have integrity with what you're doing. So I will sit here, but I'm not engaging. And Alison's like being a friend and loving and being Jesus. So eventually we, we left there. About a year later, we were in a, a different part of the, the United Kingdom. And we had a, a leadership function. And this person, a person, comes up to us and says, do you remember me? And I'm going like, no, do I owe you money? I don't know who you are. And he says, I am the person that we were in, um, in Cork at the timeshare like a year ago. And I remember you and you spoke to me so amazingly and your husband reprimanded me. And I just want to let you know that after that, I went to church. I gave my life to Christ. A year later, I'm on a discipleship program and Alison's going fantastic. I can't believe the impact I had on your life. And, and, and this guy's going, thank you, but all I remember is your husband. And Alice is like, no! Says, your husband just spoke truth and character and everything, and I decided I need to go and live that type of life more. I'm going, so, so my thing is, you may not see the result. Your testimony next Friday, next Saturday, next Monday, next Sunday, what is it? Might be, I caught no fish. But the bigger testimony is I was available and I went fishing. Friends, let's be available and let's go, go fishing. It's to be available and to be intentional. You can be available and do nothing about it. You know, I'm available to my kids sometime. I just hope they don't come and ask for it because I'm exhausted. You no, know, we can be intentional 
and nothing happens. Then Alison said, Stuart, you're really intentional about taking me out for a date. You're really intentional about date night. But when last did it happen? You know, your intention is there. Your availability is just lacking. We need to be both available and intentional as fishers, as fishing people. And then the fourth challenge. Jesus gave this challenge in the 40-day period after, before his ascension. It's, this is huge. Acts 1. How are we doing for time? I think I'm running over. I don't know how to, how to tell. Somebody tell me how many. Okay. Acts 1 verse 4 to 5. Whilst he was teaching them. No. While he was eating. There is, there is something hugely profound about food in kingdom. You know, John, that's why you and I can be foodies. My dad. You know, be, being a good quality foodie. You know, like uh, uh, Lynette. She, she just like literally feeds my love language. The kingdom of heaven is about feeding and feasting. So whilst he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised you. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then the disciples started squabbling. When are you coming back? What's happening? And this wasn't his priority. And so Jesus reminds him of the thing that is important. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in, 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 in all the places and to the ends of the earth. This passage, oh, Stu. And you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. One of the greatest purposes of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to be witnesses. You'll receive power to be a witness. You'll receive power to love. You'll receive power to hug. You'll receive power to be compassionate. You'll receive power. And for this, I'm grateful. Bear for you and I, we will receive power to fish and to catch fish. Too many of us have put off evangelism. For too many of us, evangelism gives us the heebie-jeebies. Because we've never really understood what it is to be a witness and the power that we have to be a witness the reality is i think too many of us think the holy spirit is there for everything other than evangelism holy spirit is there to help me with teenage children holy spirit is there to help me get through my day holy spirit is there to help me with my attitude holy spirit has helped me to have a business plan so that I can have so much passive income I don't have to work and I can remain idle for the rest of my life but it's fine because if I remain idle I'll just go do God's work so Holy Spirit give me something so I can make lots of money and do do nothing Holy Spirit is there to give me the lottery numbers so that I don't have to go into my fishing field into my dam which is called my place of work Holy Spirit won't you bless the church that I don't have to Holy Spirit, won't you give me a calling better than the one that I have? Holy Spirit, where's my platform? Where's my pulpit? Where's my 
paycheck? Where's my miracles? Where's my signs? Where's my wonders? Holy Spirit, I want to look good. You are underperforming. Most of that is said in jest. But Holy Spirit empowers us so that we can be witnesses. It's the greatest highlight and purpose of Holy Spirit to empower us to fish. And so finally in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given me a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power of love and of self-discipline. Holy Spirit, this morning I choose. I'm tempted to say, Holy Spirit, won't you make me a fisherman? Nonsense. Holy Spirit has made me a fisherman. If your heart is beating, you are a fisherman. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have called us to be fishermen. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have shown us where there are fish. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have empowered us and that you put bait on our hooks, which is called to love and to hug. And that you have called us all to be evangelists and servers and healers and disciple makers. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, I choose to rise up in all the authority and the power that you've given me to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them, and to see lives changed and transformed. I choose, Holy Spirit, Stu chooses to make myself accountable to not just changing and transforming lives within their church, but to making a commitment to going and fishing outside the confines of a church structure. I'm committed to the greatest miracle on the face of the planet, seeing lives saved, new identities made, Holy Spirit empowering people in their own lives so that it's not always done by somebody else. Oh, even that's so profound. We need to let people know the Holy Spirit in them so that we don't always have to be the mini Holy Spirit for them. There's a bumper sticker in there somewhere. Friends, I've, I've got on. Be blessed. We should not go and say, okay, fine, let's, 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 go, let's go to the dam. There's, there's fish cakes and fish fingers for tea and coffee, and I'm only joking. Um, but I, I love you. I love doing life with you. I honor you. I respect you. Uh, I want to help you. I want to be there for you. I want to lead you the best I possibly can. I'm wanting to encourage and exhort you. But most of all, I want you to be able to drink deep in Holy Spirit and find that all for yourself. In His beautiful name. Amen and glory. Thank you for listening. 